What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life's a Garden. Today's guest is the owner and operator of Whole Hog Breakfast Sandwiches. You may have seen him roaming around downtown, bouncing bar to bar, slinging sandwiches, and if you do happen to cross his path, do yourselves a favor and get one of those sandwiches because they are delicious. He is also the co-host of a podcast called Canecast, which covers the Miami Hurricanes and all college football. I'm going to leave a link in the description so you can go check that out. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Garrett Halsey. I suppose the best way to start off, let's give your business a shout out. All right. So whole hog. Yeah. Um, how long have you been doing that? Uh, it's almost four years. Really? Yeah. Yep. It's uh November would have been four years I started at the shop down there. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Yeah. And it's kind of had evolutions throughout because oh, if yeah. I remember right, you had like a shop down right next to the crystal, yep. didn't you? Yep. It was right next to the crystal, and then um, I actually worked from kind of home in between a little bit, and yeah, it's it's gone in million different morphins now that's, that's where i work out of is my little uh house uh basement over here okay it's off 13th now too so right on yeah the um so and you own it right that's that's yeah. just that's your business yep. just me and me alone too so. okay and yep. what what Rebuilds. what got you like wanting to start doing that uh yeah this is uh uh it was all i was working down at doc harper's was really the kind of the final the final step um, but there's kind of an evolution to it. Like it, it kind of started, I don't know if we want to talk about this in the podcast again, but like, uh, I used to have this, you know, crummy job at, uh, the call center down there working for the cable company. So when I met my kids' mom, um, we ended up having, you know, uh, you know, she worked, stayed at home, but I was kind of the, the working, the working body. And then I started making this sandwich just kind of out of necessity. It was like, I don't know if I want to dig on her, but it was like, it was really a, the way I make it and to produce it now. It's like the whole thing. Mm. It's not necessarily like the ingredients or anything like that. It's nothing special about it. It's just really the way the, the product is produced. And it was like literally out of, out of just kind of more or less uh disdain for having to do dishes. Mm, okay. Right? So breakfast, like the biggest thing is like you fry, egg, you, you, uh, you know, you got to toast bagel or whatever it is, you know, whatever ingredients you use in sausage, ham, egg, all that stuff. So it really became, I started microwaving this, this thing as a, as a, as a, as kind of a, without using dishes. So it's all like paper plates. So everything that I was done with, I could just discard it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause literally there was, my sink was full of dishes all the time. And I was like, well, motherfucker, I'm hungry and I want to, you know, go to, uh, it was really, it was just in the middle of this job. I was like, you know, I want to take something to, to, to breakfast. Um, so it, it really, it really started kind of at that job because I'd, I'd make this sandwich, you know, and just for me. And then I had a friend who uh, was going to start, uh, we were kind of coming to this little head in our little apartment. It was a retention team at the time. And then this friend was going to buy a little food truck. And I kind of in jest told her, I was like, I'll sell you this, I'll sell you this recipe. It wasn't really a recipe. It was just the, I thought, you know, the way this thing is works, it's really cool. You know yeah. I mean? Everybody I could imagine would love to make something nice and easy 
but literally no cleanup after you're done, right? That's like, I love cooking, but I hate cleaning. So I, I, I honestly, I said that out of just kind of being a twack. Like I didn't really <laughs> have a recipe to sell her. I was just like, dude, I got this cool idea. You can have it and you can use it for your little, uh, it was called Sassy Meatballs. I still remember hmm. the name she used for I remember it. that. And she had it a couple years or so, I think. Her mm-hmm. name, Nikki. Uh, and so then... Yeah, man, it just it it snowballed. Like I actually made it for the group of of, of the little agents. There was like ten of us, kind of make five or six of them one day and just handed them out. And then, uh, I started uh I started a new job because I left the cable company. wasn't terribly long after that. I was working in a construction job, and then I started kind of making it in the mornings. Was where I really really like, did it all the time, right? Um. And then I kind of, you know, every once in a while, I'll make one for one of the guys at work or something like that. Maybe make two or three of them. Um, and then I ended up getting out of, uh, well, I, I left the cable company. I worked for this construction job. And then I ended up working at AT&T. And I did that for a good three years. Um, it was after I had left AT&T, dude. And I was like, I was like, I was, I had been in sales all this, like 10 years or so, customer service sales, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I was just dead set on. I went into a, another job uh, where this this one of the local car dealerships had built an application to build online sales, like you know, to take you through mm. a whole purchasing process. And I honestly thought, dude, I thought that was my end game. I really thought, you know, I'm gonna get into this really cool software company at the beginning and grow with it, and you know, that would be the last thing I'd ever have to do. Well, it only lasts like six months, mm. and then I ended up. Really, I was on my way to go out and apply for uh, a guy I worked with at AT&T was managing the T-Mobiles. And I was on my way to go bring him. Like I'd already met with him and his regional manager the day before. And I was like literally just going out there for like a, a formalization. And I had my resumes with me. And I'm on my way on the highway. I was at my parents' house. And I get off the highway or I, I stop at the Ribbon Chop House mm-hmm. on my way down there. And this is kind of where this all takes hold. So I'm sorry for the long answer. Oh, you're good. But so, so this was like literally, I had gone in and I'd worked at this restaurant for a good six, uh, it was like nine months. And one day, the same thing. Remember, I told, I told you I'd sell this recipe. So I told this gal, the gal was managing it, I would sell her this recipe. I was like, you know, we can make it as a special one of these days and, you know, just cut me in on it. Like, you know. So I, I told her in jest that I wanted her to pay me $2 million for this recipe. Yeah. And she gave me that, well, okay, you dummy. But it actually, it's, this is why this is all kind of important. She said at that time, she's like, no, we're never going to buy your recipe, but it's not a bad idea. And it's a really good sandwich, you know, coming from a place that's, you know, pretty high quality uh, restaurant. I was like, all right, that's pretty encouraging. But she was like, what you need to do is you just need to make these sandwiches and just run around town at like, you know, stop at the construction sites and just unload them, you know, unload them there, unload them that way, you know? And so... When I left the chop house, uh, I went to uh, I worked at Doc Harper's for the, about you know it was like the right around summer of 2019, and then I started working at my buddy's casino over here at the uh, Palm's Grand Casino. Mm-hmm. So I was at Doc Harper's in this casino, and so this is where it really all comes to head. So I I uh, never I never really I was kind of I was kind of pet pissed a, bit, a little bit you know like oh I think this thing is really actually worth something you know and again it's a whole process of the thing to way to build it that's mm-hmm. i think the good idea it's not the ingredients it's nothing really to do with that but i was like you know okay well screw you guys kind of right in my mind i never really i never had a bad attitude about it but i was like oh, i'm gonna 
you know, kind of file that away. Yeah. So I'm at Docs and I'm at this uh, casino over here and it just starts becoming like a thing where like there is no food at 10, after 10 PM in our, our area. Right. Right. So uh, I started making them every Friday and Saturday, I worked at Docs. I used to bring a cooler and I had like enough ingredients to make five or six of them. And I would just make them in their microwave down there at Docs. And I would just hand them out to customers. I wouldn't even sell them or anything like that. But I mean, it started becoming a thing where I had enough people like coming back like the next weekend, like, hey, do you have your sandwich stuff, right? Then I started doing it at the casino there. And so I kind of got a very, very small following. I mean, we're not talking a lot of people or anything, but it just, it kind of resonated with me that like, okay, I can, you know, this is obviously somewhat attractive. And then I, I have it on, it's on my different YouTube channel. It's on my, uh, uh, my whole hog breakfast sandwich YouTube channel. And then I walked by the spot that I was in there at the crystal and I just saw the sign in it and it had the, for the dollar you wanted for, for rent. And I just remember looking in the window and the people that were in there before was Mazevo coffee. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like they pulled all their gear out, but they left, you know, just enough for like a shelf. And like the way I looked in there and I was like, I just, I could see it like as clean as day. I was like, dude, I could just make this breakfast sandwich. It's just, you know, I can set these microwaves right up on this little thing. I don't have to, I don't have to rent out the building or anything. So then I started sitting down, dude, and like it was like literally a couple of weeks. I kind of sat down and started doing numbers about like how many can I sell, like what is really kind of a good expectation, and like finally I was like, I was in the crystal one day and I was talking to one of the guys that actually had one of the shops there on the block, and I was like, man, I have this really cool idea. I really want to use that space. I was like, but this is like not a business. This is like you know just me throwing things together. And he was, it was like really that conversation. He was like, dude, you need to go do this he's like talk to larry larry owns the building down there he's like he's the coolest guy he'll 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 be any if anybody you could just walk up to with kind of a half brain idea this is the guy so that was it dude i called the number i was like all right man i, I called the number sat met with larry probably another day and then literally it was it was it was getting home from there so yeah and then uh, uh the good bad timing of it was like you know the the pandemic showed up like three months right after i'd opened the doors and i mean like literally Every week was higher and higher right up until that day. Damn. I mean, things were starting to go really, really well. I had a buddy come down and help me on the weekends for, you know, uh, uh, enough time. Like, I started getting smashed. Like, it was a small shop. People would kind of be lining up at the door. It was, like, from, like, 1 till 2 till about 3 o'clock at night. We had, you know, the whole thing was jam-packed. Yeah. So, that was, like, the only close enough to employee I ever had. And he, he was a really good friend of mine. I would worked in with him in the chop house really smart cat. His name's Tyler. And he, uh, helped me actually helped me build the logo. Mm. Uh, and this is all kind of in this one video. If you ever are on that website, like it kind of goes through the evolution of it a little bit, but like I had like seven or eight ideas that uh, another friend of mine who was teaching it, uh, uh, Lewis, uh, no, he wasn't Lucy Clark. He was at, uh, 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 St. Francis. Oh, okay. So he had one of his, uh, one of his classes, you know, throw some ideas together. And I mean, like I have no computer skills at all. Like computer graphic Me design either. is totally out of my element, but these kids, like they came up with, there's a bunch of really cool ones. So I, I, I kind of morphed a couple of the really cool ones together to come up with this simple logo. My, my buddy Tyler was the one that actually put that all together, man. He helped me build the website. He helped me build the original menu that I had in the shop and stuff like that. So he was super instrumental on me getting, as far as I did, because again, it, the whole idea was like to just have one employee, whether it was me or, you know, someday just somebody else, but like not, not three, four, uh, five, not a bunch six of overhead. people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, this was so 
weird because it was before the pandemic. I just, I was like convinced that that was going to be harder and harder to, to come by. It was people that wanted to work for whatever it is, you know, and keeping people motivated and stuff like that. So I was like, I was really wanting to concentrate on just as small as humanly possible. If one can be done, then that was how I was going to do it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the pandemic showed up and, you know, I had to really take a six week break because the, there wasn't the, the whole service that I was, was offering to the community was like literally from midnight to about 3 AM and that's and when every they were... night of the week before that I could have a couple people here and there, but it was not, it was not the game, but that was what was so was kind of rough about the pandemic. Cause like it was gone. I remember being in that shop dude. And like, that's a busy street first yeah. time right there. And like just being ghost town for like six weeks. I mean, it was supposed to be two weeks and it was four weeks it was six weeks. So it wasn't like we knew exactly how long it was just kind of this morphing thing. And I'm sitting there like, you know, first I was like, all right, a two week breaks, pretty awesome. I could use one thought, you know, okay, I can, I can see where we're headed in this. And then it was four weeks and then it was six weeks. And then eventually I was like, this is not coming back. Even when things come back, what I was doing and what I was fitting Won't is be gone. The same, yeah. yeah. So really that was a decision I had to make at that time. Like, how am I going to survive post pandemic? Because again, what I was fi- fit filling was was literally not available. Nothing was open past ten. Yeah. So all the restaurants were still doing their own thing up to that point, and then everyone was going home. And then you had all these extra mandates that you had to like yeah, abide yeah. by, and that's hard for a small business. You know, and I gotta say, I I avoided a lot of that by having literally no bodies to account for, right? And sure. like the way that I produced this product was like it's literally a microwave. That's all I ever use for as far as a cooking utensil mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that was like i felt good about that and i, I literally people were like no you can't say that to people oh, one second this is gonna be jarring there uh <laughs> there was a buzz going on people were like don't ever tell anyone you microwave food and i'm like no man i i happily like because at first the shop like the micro was right behind me so everyone that came in like saw that's how i produced it but i was like always up front about the microwaving thing yeah i was like dude you have no idea how many times I sat at the ribbon chop house and running in that kitchen, go get desserts to make for people. And like, we're literally log jammed on this one microwave for standing mm-hmm. around to cook the little, uh, the apple pie or whatever it was. You'd be surprised how many like dishes in large, it, like it's, it's a, it, but it's like a hidden, it's like a hidden, like you don't talk about it in a kitchen sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they do it, but it's not something that people are like open. If you're a cook, like you're a chef, like you're not talking about your microwaving. Right. You're like, you do it out of necessity, but you like, you put it in the back. That's why kitchens are built the way they are, mm-hmm. you know? So again, I was like, no, man, that's not me. I'm kind of like contrarian type of mentality. Like if you guys think it's cool, I'm like, maybe I don't even think it's cool. Or if you think it's stupid, I think it's a good idea. The ultimate thing that matters is if the product tastes good, you know, exactly. like it doesn't matter how, what does it matter how it's, I mean, obviously you don't want it to be made out of like plastic or nothing, you know, but if the product is good. Who cares how it's like how you're cooking it, right? You know whether it's microwave or whatever. And I wanted to like kind of almost like surprise people. Like I wanted to, I wanted the microwaves to be there because I wanted people to be like, "Oh crap, that comes out of a micro." All right, you know. And it it was kind of funny because I had two or three people that used to come in all the time, and then they're like, "Well, no, I make it at home. I don't Mm. need to come and buy them from you." And I, I honestly thought that was cool. I was like, "Oh, that's that's kind of that's kind of cool." People can, you know, it's not it's not a secret. But the, yeah, it, was, it, it was seems kind of, like <laughs> you had the right idea. And, I, and I, I'll give you – I, I just want to say this before I totally forget. I got to give you a ton of credit on, the, on just being the, – the bouncing around to bars. What a great idea. Like it's just – it's so smart because – and the idea of doing it that late like that because 
people are drinking, people are having fun, and then, like you said, a lot of people don't want to leave the bar to go get food, because the only things available are, like, fast food and right. stuff like that, and even some of that's not even available. And you don't got to wait in a line. The food comes to you. Yeah. It's perfect. It's a great business model. And, like, I just want to give you kudos on that. But So so just to co- go back up, that's that's where that gal, like, and again, this is all, this is, like, literally your three and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, like, like you're talking about, that's kind of where I'm at at this stage. But literally, it was going back to her telling me that mm. when I worked at the chop house. You're doing this. This is what you should do. So, like, literally, the, the, the shop was good and bad, you know. And then I did it as this food truck thing for two or two and a half years in between that. And then had the, the unfortunate the, the fire and stuff like that. So, literally, I'm, like, sitting here collecting myself. And, and I, I actually did start going out while I still had the trailer going. Yeah. But it was, like, it was, like, literally going back to her telling me that. I was, like, I, I had... I want to get rid of all the things that I had, like, morphed into on this menu. It was literally the breakfast sandwich. Yeah. I started making burritos and like uh, of all the things, the burrito is probably my most like, like people like love the breakfast burrito. It's a little different, like kind of a little different flair to a breakfast burrito. But like, I'm telling you, that's, that was like the, the, the following was to that, that was the burrito. Key. Yeah. And like what kind of <laughs> it's, it's again, I, I was like, think the original thing is like the coolest part of it, but it, it, it takes a little longer to do the breakfast burrito. And right. My thing was what one person to scale. It's, you gotta be as fast as possible. Like literally it takes two minutes to make a, a sandwich in mass production. Like the way I'm doing it nowadays, but the burrito takes four minutes. Mm. So, I mean, like I'm like sitting there, I'm like, God, why do people love the product that takes me twice as long to make? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, ah, it's like this struggle in my, in my head. Right. Mm-hmm. But literally, like the, I still have some people reaching out. Man, where's the burrito? Where's the burrito at? Hey, that's good to have a product it that's is. in high demand. I, I, I know. I don't want to say I, it, like it was anything I disliked, but like it literally kind of always blew my mind. People love breakfast burritos, man. Oh, it's, I love it breakfast is burritos. Absolutely, it's like literally the thing. But but like you're saying, man, and thank you. I really appreciate the kudos. Um, and that's uh, you know, we're getting to meet people and and. You know, the experiences that I, 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 literally last night was a really fun night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got to run into you last night um, and, and your, your, your cool family, the man. Fam. I've known your uncle for like almost 20 years. Really? It's been that long. Like I worked at this casino way, way, way back in the day. I'm talking like 2009 or something like that. I had to been before that because I started, yeah, it was like around 2008, nine. It was mm-hmm. right after the, the first real bad uh, market crashes, stuff like that. So, I mean, I've known Mike. For so long. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And he crazy. was, like, literally one of the most... He, like, casino game's hard. Like, it's fun, but, dude, there's there's a lot of people you just... You have hard times helping. Yeah. And Mike was, like, literally one of the coolest human beings. I always look forward to when Mike would come in. We'd sit in, like... I'd always have, like, the classic rock station on, man. And he'd, you know, give me cool tidbits and stuff like that. we just jam and, dude, have a good time. Mike, uh, your, your uncle, right? Yeah. Is, is one, of, one of my favorite people on the planet. So, having run into him more recently here with your cousin Aaron and I've only more recently kind of met him through the 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 crystal people and stuff. But like that's now now that I'm doing what I've been doing for like the last six months, um, this has been the most fun as as far as like the business sense because it's been kind of a rat race. I've had good times and, and and certainly successful periods, but like this is the most enjoyment I get out of doing this 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 business as I've been doing it. It's like just going out and hanging out at the bar and really you're hanging out and you're, you're making money too, Client, and you're building clientele because you're, you're you're building a rapport with people. You know, you're getting that face to face interaction. People are like, "Oh, this is a cool guy." Like, even like it, it 
almost helps to get people where even if they're not that hungry, now they just want to help. Like they just want to support the business yeah. and, and they might be slightly, you know, whatever, slightly hungry. And it's like, that's how I feel half the time. I'm just like, I could eat any time of the day, but it's like having that rapport and having that like face to face interaction, it just builds that clientele. And like, even just an example, like last night. So I ran in, I went into docs and there was this really nice two people. They weren't a couple, but they were a guy and girl and they were just really good friends apparently. And, they're from out of town. I mean, they're from this guy lives in Wisconsin, has a really, uh, really cool, successful business. So, literally getting to meet people from all walks of life. And, like you're saying, the bar, we have a really cool little bar area downtown in Billings, mm-hmm. but that's the one thing that's missing is like, there's no food downtown. There's no food after 10 p.m. And there's all these great restaurants. They all do an amazing job, but at some point, they all stop. And there's four hours of still good, good you know, mingling and drinking mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on. And that's where, you know, I've gone past that shop. Now it's, it's been available a couple of different times. You know, I'm like, man, do I need to go back? Um, but again, I, I've gone through enough, uh, uh, of, of starting over and having to kind of literally every time I moved it or, you know, try to run off to, I, I actually thought one, at one point I was going to go to Ohio, mm. um, in the camper stage of the whole business, it was like really I built out of a big fifth wheel camper trailer because I wanted to do two things. I wanted to kind of show people that like self-powering your business was something that's possible to do. And like I literally had all these solar panels out that I, you know, had invested heavily in lithium ion batteries and stuff like that. I still have some of them, but like that stuff is stupid expensive. Oh, sure. So like that was part of the, uh, the morphing through was I, had, you know, at one point I had this house that I'd moved out of. Um, cause you know, I, I was married at one point and I still had this house, but I wasn't living there. I was, I was, you know, working and basically living in my shop for a good year downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I could, I could do this in this fashion, but then I, I, I had this kind of vision also of doing it in a space that people already, you know, or it's already produced. It's already out there but just using it in a way that nobody really had, had seen or done that way. Um, I, I thought at some point I was going to kind of travel around the country and just, you know, go to wherever I wanted to, wherever I felt like there was a, you know, a, a need for me. I had that opportunity to go move myself. And that was out of the pandemic. Like mm. that was, that was um, just kind of, again, the, the creating that, that opportunity out of a misfortune. So I was like, you know what, I've, I've had this kind of in the uh, back of my mind to do, and now it's the time to try it. So I literally sold my house um, to get enough of the capital to put down on a down payment. I had to buy a big old truck to haul that sucker around. Yeah. And then literally it was buying all those batteries and the solar panels and stuff like that because I was convinced the microwaves, right? That was why that was why the microwave thing was like kind of out of just crazy, crazy coincidence. But then as I really got dialed into it, and that was the downtown in that shop, like I was like, I, I can do this. You can plug a microwave anywhere you can get some power. Yeah. And luckily we live in a day and age where there's these powerful uh, utilities that you can, you can use. And like, it's not necessarily, it was like about the greenness. I thought that was cool. You know, I, I, I've, I've never sat and looked at the sun and spent some more time, like dialing in on what that thing's doing and how it moves across the sky and stuff like that until I did all this. But like, for me, it was always about being up. Like if I had, you know, the opportunity, I could go out to burning man. Yeah. I could go hang out and, uh, you know, something cool like that. And I could produce my business uh, products and, instead of just going off for a vacation, really enjoy the the traveling, but you're able to make a living doing it too. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the idea came from like when I was young, my dad and brother and I ran around 
all the western states like ride motorcycles right so like traveling and like seeing those those people that spend an insane amount of money traveling to do those really cool hobbies but like you're like man what what would it be like if you could travel to the next city but like instead of just forking over cash man you have the option to actually make make money as you go right right so again that was kind of where the idea has all kind of come through i mean it was literally out of just kind of like almost out of vain in my existence to where it was like now this cool opportunity and like this time and space that like was literally needed and then things like the pandemic throw you a hundred percent to the other 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 direction and like make things that seem like a good idea like kind of like oh crap that was really now it's not gonna work but you know it's almost like fate you know things happen for a reason i think i truly got to believe in that where it's like maybe you were meant to just evolve the business into a different way, but, or maybe it was just a test to make sure you were going to stay headstrong into doing it. Yes. You know, it, everything's a lesson. Everything's something to be learned, like learned from and, and just a, a test and a trial to overcome. And, and I mean, I, I, to plug one of your, your previous episodes, like when you say to lean into what you love, that, 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 that literally is like, it resonated so hard that day that I was watching that episode is like, if you're like what I'm doing now, like I, I really truly enjoy going out and like hanging out with people. Yeah. And the fact that I can make a living while I'm doing that is like why that was so powerful to me. Like really, I think the hardest thing for people is like to find what are they going to do with their lives? Like I was that guy, man. I never, I never went to college right out of high school. Cause I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. Like, and even for whatever reason I, I could, I could knew I barely passed through high school. I was okay at grades, but like I was never doing homework. I was not that guy. Like I was not a in the books type of student. For me, it was all about the experiences and my friendships. You know, I still have guys I run around with from high school and we're 20 years out of high school now. Um, but like, that was what I was about in school. Yeah. You know, I was like more about hanging out with my friends where I was never about the educational part. Oh yeah. So same. for me, college was like, I'm, my parents really wanted me to go to college. You know, I think that was kind of, I think the generation kind of the push to, to that. That's the way to, you know, to go and progress. I just knew that wasn't for me. And I think everything, like you said, everything happens for a reason. You know, I, I went, you know, and I'm, you know, struggling sometimes in my life through not having had a good education, having, you know, a, a degree and stuff like that. But I've always, I've always done every job. I thought really well, I thought I've always given a good effort, but at some point I was like, why am I not getting, you know, to the step above? Like, I worked at the cable company through three and a half years and somehow I was never pulled up to be a manager. And I felt, I felt very, very much that I deserved, I thought deserved those opportunities. Uh, it was the same thing at, uh, the, uh, um, uh, AT&T. So, so when I'm literally in like, this is all before my business started, I'm like, why am I not getting to where I really feel like I, I should be, you know? And I, I would say that mindset wise, I was, I was, I was not, I was not ready. I was stuck into why not me, like poor me, you know, and, and that was something that, that is, is truly, I don't know, like you said, everything happens for a reason, man. I had to, and I, it wasn't like a light switched right away, but, but going through the pandemic and like having my business really almost like got it out from under me for yeah. no, no real fault of my own, but it was like literally out of happenstance. Right. But at that time I'd finally had the opportunity to do something for myself, you know, and I had the option to make things happen. And I really always liked the idea to be creative and like kind of go with my, uh, an instinct or something like that. And so that's what I always loved. So even though things were a challenge, I always go back to like, I always 
love the opportunity that I, I can do I can do this. Like it's on me. And I can't blame anyone else if it's not working. That's that's like kind of like eye opening. Like if I'm failing, it's because I'm screwing up. You know what I mean? Well, and that's a good mindset to have too, because it, it motivates you more. And and if you have that mindset, it's yeah, you're gonna be pushed to continue to succeed. Yes, and and you know, so it's finding something you're passionate about to to, to taking something. I've I've told that to to several people that I've talked to in the last few years, like do something that you do for a hobby that you would otherwise do for free, but find a way to make that you make that make your living. If, if that, you know, if you're not happy with what's going on, if you don't have a great job, if you're not happy with those things, like you have that opportunity, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I love now on the a mindset switch is like, you know, there, there is opportunity out here. It's not easy. Right. And again, just because I had a good idea and like things were going well at one point, like they, they can, go away pretty fast. Well, and that's good to, that's a good lesson to learn too, because then you're always, you know, avoid trying to avoid that from happening again, or, or you're always aware that that could happen. Yes. Yes. And so my most recent real, real, real take back was, you know, now the trailer thing was a good idea. Like I really had, uh, I thought this option to like what it could utilize, but really I had some good opportunities. I, I work here at the KOA mm. here in Billings, you know, it's the, world famous first KOA of all the ones all over the country. So I got to work there through the summer and into the fall a couple times with my camper. Right. And that was, so that was like probably one of the most cool things of this whole experience was like how many times I had people that like live this lifestyle. I mean, they travel all over and like, you know, they're not really staying at the Billings KOA for like, this is where they want to come to like their vacation destination. They're usually on the way somewhere yeah, or on the way, the parks, or they're on the way from the East Coast to the West Coast visiting family. But I, I would be honest with you, man, I, that was probably some of the most endearing part was like how many times I'd open that door to give these people that food they ordered on this website. And they were like, oh my gosh, man, like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's not literally, but having people say that to me and several, several occasions is like, wow, this is really, you know. It's really, really a cool feeling and, yeah. and getting that, that, that affirmation, you know, to exactly. keep going and, and you're on the right track. Helps motivate you for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting validation. hundred percent. Yes. And and you can tell like what you're doing is it's not for nothing. And, and you feel good about the, the downtimes, you know, yeah. like, oh, that struggle was for a purpose. There was, you know, and even now like there, there, there is some other things that I might, I might venture into in my future. Uh, but whole hog is always has taught me so much about and having opportunity and and learning to progress my my uh, like we've talked about mindset is you know it it is it's out there the opportunities are out there you just got to be willing to go out there and it's a sacrifice like it was scary those first couple days like i was like dude what if nobody shows up right it's like this sounds like a good idea and people are all have been encouraging but like what if i put all this money i mean i put every penny i had into it man like it was, if I didn't make it, I was going to be in big trouble, but you got to make the leap. Right. And so that was, it's so hard to disconnect from my time is X amount. If I go put X uh, hours into, I will have this much to show for my time. And like not knowing that that was going to be the case is dude, it's crazy how hard that is. Um, but again, you, you got to have, you got to have some, a little bit of, you got to have a good idea, but you also got to have real real faith that you can, you can make it. Yeah. And, you, and again, it's a, it's, it was literally 
the 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 hardest part was getting over that like man what if i don't what if this is not as good as diaz and i had my parents probably like i love my parents i have great parents but even they told me this is kind of bad idea like you're crazy <laughs> for doing this but like still still knowing that i was convicted in my conviction you know i i had to do this yeah i had to do this and i had to go through this four years of good and bad and ups and downs to like to open my open my eyes man and and for whatever things are going to bring me in the future i am ready and i've gone through a lot you know i've learned how to build a website on my own my buddy helped me build the first one but the second and third renditions i had to do on my own i had to figure out how was i going to make you know these for the year i was down in the shop during the pandemic it was like i had to make all these products and like i delivered them all by myself yeah but like how are you going to really do that when like most people want food around noon and around dinner time and stuff like that? So I was like, I can't, I can't go into that, that sense. I had to figure out how was I going to make people order online, but like literally not can like combust me during those two periods of time of day. Cause I won't be able to take like four of the 20 orders I might get. Right. Yeah. So literally there was so much, so much to that, that like to the, how was I going to make this work and, and uh, flow with people? But like, still make it profitable, you know, still stay in business. And so I, I had some pretty good months doing it that way. But I mean, I was like, I was probably working like 20 hours a day, a lot of times. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd, I, cause my whole thing was like, well, there is not options for people. That was where I wanted to fit. So, I mean, a lot of my thing would be like at two or three, four or five, six in the morning. I'd be in like that little shop, taking a little nap on the cot. And then I get an order in. like, I'd have to wake up and like bust myself out of sleep at 3am and like, go take, four or five sandwiches to these people. You know what I mean? That was where my, that was where my customer base was at that point. So it was, it was a grind, man. Oh, it sounds it, like it. I don't know that I can say like, looking back, that was really sustainable for a long period of time, but it was dealt out of necessity. Like just, you know, that was the only way I was going to stay float. Cause really the, the option to where I had really kind of started, it really didn't come back till about, it was the week after I moved out of the shop. So it was like January of 2021 where People were available back open till fully till two a.m. at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Right up until then, it was like up, it was like 10, 8, 10 p.m. Then it was like till midnight, and it wasn't really until uh, it was January of two thousand and twenty-one here in Montana Billings that we had fully bars were back open fully till two close uh, to two o'clock close again. So I mean, if I hadn't made that kind of you know, I and it was really tough, dude. I was wasn't ready to reinvest in the business at that time. I mean, like I was doing good the first three months, but it was like really trying to get money back in my pockets that I had spent to get the thing started. And then it was like six weeks of nothing. And then, you know, I I had to figure out a way where, because I don't think I was going to survive two or three sandwiches coming out every maybe once in a while. I had to find a way to fit during the day, during the mornings, during the evenings, and, you know, in the middle of the night too. So all with one with one person, person with yeah. one person. And again, it was, you know, if I if I maybe had stepped back and probably thought about it, maybe I would have gone ahead and used Uber and some of those guys. Maybe that would have been maybe the better route to go. But I was just like, at that time, I was like, dude, I can build my own application. Like, the hell with Uber and the hell with DoorDash. Like, those guys take a, an extreme amount of your profit. And like, I was like, man, I wasn't gonna just let them take all my money. Like, yeah. I was like, I could do this on my own. But like, I was like, you know, I could build my own. I could. You know, there's not a perfect way for this. I didn't feel for fit me. So I was like, I'll make that. I'll make that thing. So again, I was, I was the guy that I worked at, uh, AT&T. That was probably one of the biggest, uh, reasons I had to have gone through that. Like I hated that job. Mm. It was probably one of the 
most awful corporations I could have ever worked for. I had one of the worst bosses I've ever had in my life, but also one of the best ones. So I don't know if we want to go into that story, but, um, but literally at one point there was a time I was doing really well and it was right at the beginning. Cause I was like gung ho, uh, AT&T had took over direct TV and I'd come from the cable side. So I was like, I was a football guy my whole life. So I was like dead set on dude. Now I'm going to go sell for the Sunday ticket. Right. Yeah. That was the biggest thing at cable companies. Like they go out and they go try to take over satellite customers. That was like kind of their focus in this sales thing I did at one point. And like literally we would run around town looking for houses with satellites on them. Like, and those are the ones you got to go get those guys. But it's the hardest thing to sell against direct TV. Cause like, if you're a Sunday ticket guy, that was the only way you could get it. Mm. You know, how are you going to go tell somebody something they hundred percent are the only reason they want this, this particular product. How are you going to go sell against that? Dude, it's the hardest thing. So I'm, I'm leaving the cable company and I'm looking at what am I going to do with my actual skill set? I did that construction thing for a minute in between, but it was like more of a summer thing. So out of, out of, out of like, Oh, I'm going to go bust up the cable company now. Now, I'm, you know, the heck with them. Now I'm going to go work for the competition kind of. So that's why I did the AT&T thing. And so I got to tell this, hopefully I won't take up too much time. I'm sorry. I'm oh, you're so good, talking, but, uh, I had a friend, a kid I graduated with a good friend of mine who worked at that store and I walked in for the interview one day and he's like, dude, talk to me before you leave. It was like, kind of like a weird thing. And I, I, I didn't see him a lot at that time. So I, I, you know, my good friend, Justin, but he's like, no, dude, you got to talk to me. I got something you need to talk about. So he told me, he's like, you don't want to work here, man. He's like, you will hate working here. He's like, the guy that runs this store is, you won't, you won't like it. He's like, I hate it. I'm miserable. <laughs> dude. And I was Just like, you want to hear, I was like, Justin, I'm sorry, bro. I'm going to do it anyway. I, like, but he was so right, man. Mm. That was hundred percent. The most toxic environment as far as a boss I've ever experienced. And, but out of 18, 18T, the story, bro, like at one point it, it was sales, it was selling cell phones, selling tablets, selling accessories, you know, getting people. And that was how you made your living. But like, it was, there's one period of time where it was like, they didn't give a crap about what you sold. All the whole focus was to, uh, when you got people in their new phone, you had to sign them into the AT&T application, right? It was like a, the thing. So I was like kind of competitive person. So I was like, all right, well, I'll be the best at Signing people in this stupid application, if that's what you want. But certainly, like, it wasn't right away, but after a few months, weeks, month or so, I was like, man, this is actually this is actually not a good thing for me as an individual. And what I'm trying to do, make a living, this is really what it's doing is actually phasing my job out, right? Oh, Because people yeah. are used to, at this point in time, like, coming in and getting your cell phone done every couple of years. You know, you get a new one a couple, every couple of years, you renew, you get your new free phone they used to try to have you make you feel. Oh, yeah. Right? But what I was essentially doing, and like the company knew this, right, is that when the next year comes around, the next time they go around, we'll offer the uh, the renewals and all this stuff right through the phone application. Get you used to go in there to look at your bill and pay your bills and stuff like that. But what they're really doing is force feeding the customer their next their next uh, phone upgrade isn't going to come from the store. It was going to come from this application. And like a year or so goes by, and like I'm like kind of my eyes were open that. It wasn't me, you know, selling customers these products anymore. It was me putting on the crappy products that they got from the online, you know, thing. And like, now I have to put on the screen glass they already bought from the online website and then their brand new phone. I have to go switch all their stupid contacts rather than me doing anything they got paid for. Because at that time, still, I never got paid to help people Mm. a wage, you know, but it wasn't why you were there. 
But now you're like, now I'm effectively put, I put myself in the position to like almost phase out my own job. And that came from like, uh, that was why when I was doing my own thing, like I was like, it wasn't about me wanting to put a bunch of people underneath to work for me. Cause I knew that that someday way, shape or form we're headed towards automation. Right. Which is scary. Yeah, it is. It is. But you know, that's where I was like, I don't want to build my, my foundations today, like in 2019 on having multiple people be responsible for this business to, to grow or go, go flat. I wanted it to be about the evolution of, of technology, mm. right? I wanted to I wanted to adapt to what I wasn't. I wasn't the technology kind of guy. Like I was not the kind of guy. My brother was the guy. Like he was the kind of guy that would like tell me about new new equipment and new things coming up. Like I used iPhone and I still think iPhones are awesome, but like it wasn't like I was the most comfortable guy knowing how to do that. But AT and T taught me one thing to look at the evolution of the world because they saw it coming, and two was to get real comfortable with technology, right? I was not, I was like, dude, I, I, I didn't even like do the uh, the software updates. Oh, yeah. Like when those things come out, like every freaking 10 minutes, I'm like, dude, I hate this stuff. Yeah. I'm not doing it. I don't know why. But like to technology, to learn to adapt with technology because, dude, you are not avoiding that. Oh. It is humming. It's only going to get crazier and crazier. Like they, they have a robot at the airport that delivers your food for you. Dude, for real. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I'm and like, I feel like I'm living in the Jetsons. I, I honestly, and... Hopefully this podcast blows up, man. Somebody oh, take cool. my idea, but like that's where I was like, dude. If anything, you got to be able to like think of what where your products going to come out to these people. It's not going to be delivered by a person. So I, for a minute, I was on my little electronics, my electronic scooter, yeah, running around doing food because again, I was like, this is kind of where things are headed. Uh, but yeah, dude, you're gonna have a drone dropping your Uber Eats order here, not very far from. They already are dropping off it's, packages it's out there. and stuff. It's out there. Like we're we're yeah. So, five five so, years from now, things are going to look so, way crazy. So again, having everything is for a reason, and and the trials and the things. If you are will, you know willing to step back and like say, well, it's not to my detriment. I just need to learn to go with what's what's really things are. These are all coming, you know. So yeah, that's be prepared. The challenges and those adversities I faced, literally working with one of the, I will still say one of the worst human beings as far as leadership is concerned. He wasn't like a bad person. As far as a leader, he was uh, the, the worst leader I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, we had a revolving door of employees, and it was all mostly because this guy chased everyone that was worth a crap off. Because nobody wanted to stick around and work for this guy. I fortunately, I've fortunately never had bosses like that, but I've known of people that are like that. And and in the same company, which is so crazy, man. I had also in the very same situation the best boss. Like I had, mm. it took some 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 really gung ho on my end. I had to like force my way out of that store, but like to not completely lose everything that I'd gained. And, and I thought it was an okay person at that job. I was not the best, but I thought it was okay. Um, I had the best boss, uh, you know, somebody that really, uh, I'll give his a shout out, man, that, the guy Tad, cause he still works in this town. If you're ever, you know, and you need of a good uh, service, it's the guy who runs the, the ATT there on King Avenue here in Billings. That guy is one of the most amazing human beings because he was everything that you were not getting at the other job. This guy was that. He's like a good leader. Everyone that worked at his store had been there for like ten years. Like they, that shows. Had a, that shows a lot. No revolution, and then our store, which we had all twice the traffic, and we underperformed because of just just the just the leadership was so evident that that's that's how important you know it is. And if you're yeah. working career, if you got a bad bad somewhat bad leader, you don't want to show up to work. Everything's really kind of a mess. And then literally the. I didn't say I loved the job. I never did love the job because it, 
dude, how many times I had to have some lady coming in and yelling at her guy coming in and yell at me about their phone that was like nothing I did or it was really always their screw up. That's what I hate about customer service. Oh, dude, service. like they get so bent out of shape about it. And I'd gone through at the cable company, customer service, like people calling and screaming at you on because their cable box isn't on. You know what I mean? And it's because they got their inputs off off ticked or whatever. You know what I mean? People get so undone about things that you're like, now you're like, I'm on the phone with you, man. How the heck am I going to help you? <laughs> you know? So everything, again, everything happens for a reason. All those trials and and those were parts of what, what, what led me into what I was going to do this thing. I was not going to do the things that I disliked. I was not, I was, I was never wanting to build a job. If I was ever going to have employees, I never wanted to have a job where I was going to have somebody do something I didn't want to do. You know what I mean? I hated that. I hated like, you know, the guy who sits up in the ATTC and O office, you know, and this is what we're going to do. This is the expectation. You're like, you have no idea what that's going to bring on me. Like I'm the one that's like literally have to tell all these people why they're not getting a free phone every two years. No, you know, now I have to sit there and explain, well, no, you, you were always paying for your phone, but we just made you think it was free. Like, oh, dude, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, I was always like, dude, anything like I want to do. Like, you're the one on the battlefront taking yeah, the yeah. bullets. I want the guys on the, the, on the forefront to have, you know, the same ex- experience that I'm going to have wherever I am in the company, too, you know? So, that's, that's just kind of where I've, where I've come from, where I've been, and then maybe where I'm going to go. So, yeah, who knows? Well, shit, I'll make sure to add a link to the, for your do you prefer do you have a website right uh actually right now i don't because um really uh out of in the last uh, stage of my morph is it's it's really not about ordering from me sure it's, it's really about me getting in front of you having have what i have available uh sold rather than you know and i'm not saying i would turn down anybody that ever reached out to me about an order if i could make it happen but like really that was where i was like happy with what was going on in my business. So gotcha. it was the websites. It's, it's, I can, I can activate it again. I just, you know, there's really not a need for it as necessarily, but like, like thing is on Google, like your Google search, right? For a minute there, I was in that trailer and I would move places. You know, how it's so hard to get those to move like your presence, right? People oh, think, Oh, yeah. I'm here. And like, they expect you to be there. And like the information on the internet says that you're here and it's not that way. Like they get, I think one of my worst Google yeah, reviews was just recently before I turned the website off was like some poor person and this is my fault. I shouldn't have done that. But they showed up to where the club was and <laughs> there was no sandwich shop there. So that poor guy's like, you know, writes me a bad review and he's like, you know, where the heck is this place? I'm knocking on this door to this closed up building. He's like, what the heck's going on here? Damn. So, so, so I don't have a website now. Um, you know, and maybe what we'll, we'll, we'll cover now is like, you know, I do my podcast with my really good friend here. Like, yeah. So, my passion, my passion, bro. Like it's not that I, I foresee this doing for my, for my living necessarily, but it's just, I, I was an avid college football, football fan. You know, my, my team is the Miami hurricanes and that's what led me to my, my buddy. Who's I'll say he's probably my, my best bud right now is like, I was working at the crappy AT&T store dude. And this dude walks in with a dolphins hat and he sits down and he's a direct TV customer. And at this point they were like sending things to direct TV, like come over to switch over to AT&T if you're Verizon. And so like, this is literally how our conversation started. And like, it's so funny now we talk about this all the time. Like our relationship, our friendship started with me being like a, really the most miserable that I've ever been. But we had that cool conversation because it all started with him wearing a Miami Dolphins hat. Mm. And that was how the conversation started. I was like, oh dude, the, the Canes are my team. Bro. And you know, they play in the same stadium. And he's just like, 
because he's a huge Hurricanes fan. Like my buddy Phil, he will he will talk my ear off. Yeah. About their Miami Hurricanes for hours. So like he he wasn't wearing a Canes hat, but even just having the Dolphins hat was what sparked our conversation and literally a seven or eight year now friendship. And we do this podcast. Uh, we call it Canes Cast. Um, but that's again to go back to the. I don't know if I really said why your your last episode really resonated with me, but it was like doing something that you love. Like so I had I was bicker and moan and complain as a as a football fan. You know that's probably part of the most fun of the of the sport, right? Yeah, well, especially how the, can that guy do that? Or, exactly, and even when your team's doing good, way? you can still find something to complain about. <laughs> so, like, finally having I thought many many years of saying things that play out well, and I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I know what I'm talking about, or this or that, or maybe I'm way off base. Was finally sitting down and like we talked about it for a couple of years, and we finally just sat down and like, hey, dude, let's just start it. Let's just get it get on record, however we do it, and like let's just put a presence out there, you know, whether there's 10 people that watch our show every week or two people that subscribe to it or don't care, like just pitting on that out there in the world. And this, in as the long as you're sphere, enjoying it, you know, it, it's so much fun, man. And like this year is our second season of doing Kane's cast. Our first season was, we had this intention to do it every week and go on every episode. It it's was tough. not that it's tough. Kane's had a terrible season. Half the time we were like, we didn't feel like doing the show. Uh, so far this in we're in the past we're going into week four and we've won the three games that we've uh, the Miami Hurricanes have played so far this year so it's been much much more positive so far but uh, as soon as one one of these times we're going to lose a game it's going to be a <laughs> right. I don't even know we'll do the show do but, uh do you cover the basketball at all or is yeah, it just... uh, so Miami had a, a the last couple of years they've really had a great basketball program um, so going back like to 2016 or 15 or wherever it was we had this one. Uh, coach Al Golden and then Jeremy Larinaga, who's still the basketball coach uh, for Miami. So yeah, we he Phil is like he's he's from Miami. I'm from Billings, Montana. Um, my reason for being a Miami Hurricanes fan actually goes to my uncle, who was a huge Nebraska fan. Okay. So in the earliest to mid '90s, the Nebraska was the team. Like they were. Oh, they were I remember. Smo- they were they were smoking people, and Miami was good before that. But like this is right to the this little uh, lull Miami went through, but like Nebraska was the team. So my, my uncle, he lives in Lincoln, Nebraska. He went to Nebraska to like get his doctorate and stuff like that. Like this guy is like kind of everything I want to do. I want to end up in Miami someday. So I can go, go watch Canes games every weekend. But I'm kind of, again, I I covered that earlier. I'm a little bit of a contrarian and I love my uncle. He's an awesome human being, but he's kind of a, kind of a pain in the butt. He, He, I remember him like, for all these weekends, like he would call every weekend and like just blabber about the Nebraska game. Oh, did you guys see the Nebraska game? This and that and the other thing. And for whatever reason, I remember this Orange Bowl. Like we were in my mom's house. I I, I still I still remember we had enchiladas this night. We're watching the Orange Bowl and I'm watching the Nebraska game and I'm like, man, I just really don't want to have him because he used to play pranks on us. Like he'd call like kind of goof with us. And I was like, I really just don't want Uncle. Uh, uncle to have a reason to call and like give us shit so i was like i hope this team beats nebraska and it was miami okay, uh, okay. warren sap ray lewis were on that team and one I'm of the pretty best little. teams yeah. of all time well i mean those two amazing amazing human beings uh well f- football players they're amazing football players uh you know there's there's things out there about their their character sure. <laughs> uh but i just remember sitting there thinking god i really hope miami wins this game i really just don't want to have him Call and prank us tomorrow from about whatever stupid Nebraska thing you could think of. So 
Nebraska ends up winning that game. It's a really good game. Um, Miami loses this game. And I was also a Cowboys fan at this time of month. I'm like nine, eight, nine, ten, you know, and my or Miami's Miami's a program was like really kind of at the end of their first run. And this was like literally they were going to 96, 97, 98. I didn't know this as much because I was still little, but they were going into probation. And so they had, you know, there was Pell Grant scandals and some things okay. going on about how they were, you know, running a very successful program, but they weren't all on the up and up. And uh, I, I, I was a Cowboys fan also. So Jimmy Johnson was the coach, and he had coached at Miami long before that. He had won a couple, uh, national championship, built some really great teams. Then he got on to the Cowboys, and I was a big Michael Irvin guy. Uh, I even remember Russell Maryland, you know, being on that team, being a big fan of Russell Maryland when he left the team. I was pretty devastated that that year. Um, Alvin Harper, shout out to Alvin Harper. We were never the same after Alvin Harper left. Even <laughs> as, as much as I love Playmaker, Alvin Harper was huge on that team. Uh, but so going to my senior year of high school, it was 2001. So my I graduated in 2002, but like 2001, 2002 was my year. And that was the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, right? Yeah. That is, people still often talk about that being the, one of the best college football teams ever. Yeah, because um, that was... Uh, Ed Reed... Uh, Andre Johnson, yeah, uh, John right. Vilma, DJ Williams, uh, Kellen Winslow, not a great human being. Please don't hold me to that. <laughs> He's a phenomenal football player, but he was a bad human. But, uh, uh, you know, this team was stacked. was stacked. Sean Taylor, like literally one of the football players I, I absolutely like to my, my core, just cherish having been able to watch him play at Miami because 2002 was his season, like where he really put on and then, uh, he ended up having a very short NFL career because he got he got you know murdered unfortunately long long before he should have ever left this this earth unfortunately so so that team was like dude so I I was a, a football player in high school I wasn't good I ended up I I didn't even end up finishing my senior season I wasn't playing I was into dirt bikes too so I was like all right well fine if I'm not gonna play football I'll go out and spend my time dirt biking the hell with this team so as a football guy now I look back at that as like one of my big probably my big miscues in my life regretting same not regret. doing that but i mean i was competitive i i didn't want to sit on the bench i i just didn't feel like that's where i belonged you know and whether i did or did not you know it's not really important but i i was i i i'm not finishing that season but i had a my best friend at that time was from chicago um and he was a phenomenal football player uh dude like this kid had all the athletic prowess i mean he was he was an insane athlete but we, he really loved was football right and I remember, so this is why this is all important. Uh, we watched that national championship game like a hundred times, man. We we sit up in his little his little room there and do. We just sit there and watch games, and and like this is all kind of I'll fill it in between. But like, dude, this is where literally my my super fanhood was born because like that was just like our thing. Like we just sit and watch old football games. Like he loved, he would record them and he'd go watch. And he was film, he was into film. Like, yeah, you know like what I mean? film study. And this is before I was, I was like, oh, I love football, but I don't like it that much. But, but you this didn't, guy, yeah, yeah. This guy totally was the reason why I love, and my friend Corey, I'll shout out Corey, man. Uh, Corey, Corey was a, was a phenomenal football player, but he was also a very big student of the game. You know what I mean? He loved sports. So that was really what spending all that time watching that national championship game. And I remember watching that, that hit Jonathan Vilma put on those guys a couple times right at the end of the game. Like, dude, just, just destroying these poor guys on Nebraska. So that game and that team was really where it kind of began. The next year, 
I was out of high school, um, and that was the 2002 team, which ended up losing the the national championship game to Ohio State that year. But like that was where I was like super into it. Like uh, NCAA football was right in its height. It, well, the best it ever. I mean, it got awesome. It got awesome years later. But like sitting down and playing on PlayStation, like I remember spending hours going and putting all the names in the rosters of these, you know, because the they didn't have the names of the players, but they right. had their number, and like you would go to go print off from the internet and get the roster and all the teams. And I'd go sit there for, dude, I, I can't even, I still, I still, I found a stack of those papers one day, like going through all my, isn't that stuff. so nostalgic when you find stuff like that? Just it, takes you back. Yeah, dude. Um, so, so man, it was, it was really kind of born from the, those periods of time where Miami was really, really good. Um, and then they had all those players went on to very, very long successful NFL careers for the next 10 years. A lot of them, right. Um, Jeremy Shockey, uh, you know, just God, I forget Vince how Wil- many great Vince Wilford, uh, 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 Bryant McKinney, uh, Andre Johnson. So here's fun, fun thing. Maybe we could talk about. I remember back in those days, like hearing that conversation, like the Miami Hurricanes team of 2021 could have beat the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Because they were the worst team in the NFL. And so it was just recently when NF, uh, Ed Reed went into the NFL Hall of Fame, and I remember. I I firmly believe that. Like as a as a fan of that team, I I thought I was convinced. Yeah, that team could go out there and have have gone out there and on the, any given day like beat the worst NFL team because of all the superstar talent Star they talent. had on that team at that time. So to caveat to that, I think if if that team could have been in, gone on into the NFL, let's say they all went to the the whole team went to the Miami Dolphins, sure, and then five years or so they could have developed. They would have been the the best. I think they would have won a Super Bowl. Oh yeah, that's hard to, to right? argue with. I mean, you had Ed Reed and Sean Taylor line up next to each other, but at the time on that team, they didn't start together. Mm. Ed Reed was the starter. Sean Taylor came off the bench. But if you took all the stars, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you. But again, they had forty NFL draft picks, like 20, 30 of them were first round guys. Entre Roll, uh, these guys, like. But again, that team at that time, and I will say this right now, like there is no college football team as good as you are that could ever get on the field with the worst NFL team. You would get absolutely destroyed. I remember that was the argument with Alabama when I was in high school. Again, Alabama. The caveat is at this time in the stage, like this team is not ready to go on and compete in an NFL field. Right now, if they got to evolve and in their NFL development got to stick together, that team in success. Who's to say, right? right? Yeah, Alabama, LSU. LSU, I have a good story. Uh, hopefully, maybe come back to you because I saw that. I saw that LSU team on their first game when Joe Burrow started because uh, I was down in Dallas. Oh, sweet. Yes, I went to – so the year before that, I went to the Miami-Notre Dame game that ended up being one of the bigger games of the season because they were both highly ranked. And this was like – I was going through my divorce, man. So uh, hopefully, you don't get off track. But I was going through a divorce. I was really, really in a bad place. So I was like convinced the, to to – my life to have any meaning, I was going to need to go see this team that I was a huge fan of all these years. I spent all this time and effort and energy and a lot of bad times watching this team. So I was convinced I had to go to this game. So I ended up picking that Notre Dame game somewhat out of against spite Rudy and all that stuff. We had a gift from our high school. That was a really good football player who ended up going to Notre Dame. So like for some reason, it just became a thing where I like disliked Notre Dame. So okay. we're like, what game am I going to go to? I was like, I'm going to go to this Notre Dame-Miami game. Like, I want to watch Miami, hopefully, crush Notre Dame. That ended up being one of the seriously coolest things I ever did in my life, right? And everything happens for a reason. So I was going to take my kids. My two kids, and my kids were little. My kids were like three and like one. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So I bought enough tickets and I had my sister who doesn't live here in Billings, but she was going to go with me to take my kids with me. And, and this was in this Miami? Is, like, and this crazy thing is like these games get scheduled and like you, I bought my tickets like before the season even started, but then you don't know what time the games are going to be. They're not set yeah. in college football. They change week to week, right? Depending you know on who's that. on the schedule, but you don't know if it's going to be a night game, noon kickoff, whatever it is. That, that stuff happens like later as the season's going on. So like Miami ends up this 2017 season, the turnover chain season. Uh, dude, like, man, that was a cool season. So these things start snowballing, and Miami starts winning. Like, we win all of our games. We have some really close calls. The Georgia Tech game was crazy. The Florida State game we, uh, was crazy. But we ended up winning all these games, and then Notre Dame's winning. They, I think they lost their first game of the season that year, but then they started really putting it together, and they were a really good team. So the, it's like a month before the game, and, like, I realize now this is going to be a night game. This is not going to be a you know, noon kickoff. Like, this is going to be at 7 p.m., and it's going to be a huge deal. So I ended up not taking my kids. I really regret that. They were really little. So me and my sister go to this Miami-Notre Dame game, and we freaking just destroy Notre Dame. I mean, the turnover yeah. chain got out. It was so crazy. The turnover chain, when we got brought out, like a turnover, was louder than when we would score a touchdown. Huh. The 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 one play of the game was when the uh, 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 Trajan Bandy got an interception right before half and took it back and got it. Dude, the crowd was absolutely electric, bro. I'm telling you. I, I just the game a couple weeks ago. Mark Richt, who was the coach at this time, he, he said that that was the coolest thing he'd ever been a part of. That's crazy. So being in that stadium was you got to be. No, a part I, of it. I, I I have pictures. I lost all my jerseys in the fire and stuff like that. I maybe oh, have a couple man. things from from that game that I still have. But like, dude, being there that night and and like, what's so much cooler about Miami as a team? It's it's kind of a finicky fan base. It's not Nebraska, and I will say here. Uh, to give Nebraska their due diligence, bro, they have been a pretty bad program for as far as football performance. But, dude, they still sell out every game. They got loyal fans. They have yeah. the most loyal fan base. They sold 92,000 people tickets to go see a volleyball game in their stadium. I saw you know that. that. I saw that. This is what I got to say. I got to give them their kudos. Miami would not – that would not happen to Miami, bro. I wonder why that is. So it's 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 a fickle fan base, but why it is. I, I honestly think I can put a little uh, pulse to it. Walking out of that stadium is, you know, you're on cloud nine, dude. You're just like, everybody's happy. There's a couple of Notre Dame fans sprinkled here and there. They're not happy. But like the next day flying home and just being in the airport, dude. And like, you could look at the people flying out of Miami to go wherever they are. And that's what I think is cool about Miami. It's a, it's more of a national fan mm. base. So when things are going really well, when those, when the stadium gets filled, it's not necessarily Miami people. It's not local. It is. Me from from my from Montana. It was these people I met talking to from New Jersey. Like, you know, what I'm saying that is why we were all there that night to be a part of that game. And like, thank God we all were all there, right? And people aren't going to travel if if they're not performing. So well. so yes. So we don't sell out. We had our great best, best game in the season this year was against Texas A&M. We win this game. It's a home game, but this stadium wasn't packed. Mm. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I think the stadium's loud. It's kind of built with the roof on it now. It kind of holds that energy in now. But like, it's it's a loud stadium, but it's not a packed like fully on like you just get this this presence every game every game. It happens when there's big games, but it's not every game. Um, but that was what it was. It, that only kind of more recently hit me is like, man, that's when we're we're leaving town and I'm talking like it's the next day and you're still on cloud nine. You're like riding to the to the airport shuttle and like you're talking to the guy that's got the 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 uh, jersey on too. You know what I mean? Everyone's telling. Where they're from, they came in from this game, right? So, like, the LSU team, like, I was, I, I, I've been like convinced 
that was that was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I wanted that again. So that's why I went to the LSU game. So to get that story picked up. Um, I was a Cowboys fan growing up. And I, I, I'm not going to tell you this is a popular thing as a football guy, but I jumped off the bandwagon. I, it was the 2016 draft where they took Zeke Elliott instead of Jalen Ramsey. Mm. And so, dude, like the months leading up to that draft, I was like, there was a lot of times they'd pick players that I was like, I, I'm a big college football guy. There's a lot of these people that I'm like, I wish the Cowboys would have on their roster, right? And most of them are Hurricanes, and they had this thing for the longest time. They never had a Hurricane on their roster. I don't know if it was a jive at Jimmy or what the problem oh, is. Oh, interesting. If it was, there's a thing. Yeah. There's a thing. There's literally talented Hurricanes. Devin Hester used to come in and beat the crap out of us, and he wasn't even a good receiver. And he had his best receiving games against my uh, the Cowboys. Uh, Santana Moss and uh, Clinton Portis when they were on the Washington Redskins, just kicking our ass. Those two guys I love, and they're on the Washington Redskins, ripping my heart out every weekend, right? So. I was like at this time, and so this happened after this, the, the 2016 draft, I was like, dude, I'm done. If they don't take Jalen Ramsey, oh, that was the... he's a Florida State player, and I've watched him rip our throats out as a cornerback. Yeah, uh, He literally won the one game that we had a good team, and he literally won the game because he caused a fumble right at the beginning of the game, and he had the last interception to end the game, and he shut us down like the whole second half because we were winning that game. And like I'm like, dude, this guy is an unbelievable talent. I was like, this is the next... I say he's plus Deion Sanders because he tackles, but he has all the he has the mindset, he has the the killer instinct, and I'm telling you, I watched this as his opponent, and I'm like, I'm dude, if he's not a cowboy, I'm not gonna be a Cowboys fan anymore. And that day, I'm literally on my treadmill, bro, watching the draft, and I'm like, Joey Bosa goes to uh, the Chargers because I thought the Chargers would take the Jalen Ramsey, that pick right for the Cowboys. And I was like sitting there, I was like, dude, yes, 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 because it was Zeke Elliott or Jalen Ramsey, right? And they pick Zeke Elliott, and I was like. No, as as mad as I've ever been in a game, like watching my team get destroyed, I was was pissed that they didn't take that guy. And I was, I, I told people, I was like, if they don't take this guy, I'm done. Well, and look I'm at tired the... of Jerry Jones fucking up every opportunity he has to get us a Super Bowl win. I was like, you put this players. guy on your defense, your defense changes, and they did. And he's done that to every defense he's been on. He he that season did not. They did not. He went to the Jaguars. Yeah. And the Jaguars had the draft I thought the Cowboys should have had. They drafted uh, uh, Miles Jack instead of what we took was uh, Jalen Smith, who had a great a great and a Notre Dame player, but he had that knee injury right at the end of the season. So he wasn't even going to be playing that first year. I was pissed, bro. I was like, I'm a Jaguars fan now. The fuck, fuck Cowboys. I need a new team. I was a Jaguars fan because I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna go with this team. You're staying I, in Florida. I'm going to die with this guy, apparently. And my buddy Phil, he hates this. Now Jalen Ramsey's on the Miami Dolphins. So only now, recently, he gets to drink from the Kool-Aid of Jalen Ramsey. I've been preaching that since the guy that got got on the NFL. So this will hopefully come into why I'm talking about all this. So I'm a Cowboys fan for a long time, and then I'm not. But that's why I went to the LCU game. I was like, well, what game am I going to go to after I've gone to this Notre Dame? Now I've got the hunger. I've got this. i got to do this again. So I, I buy these tickets to go to the LSU-Miami because it's the next season's launch. It's the kickoff game, right? I was like, well, well, I can go to the Cowboys stadium and see this really cool stadium I've always wanted to go Beautiful see. Beautiful stadium. I've but now I don't have to worry about the Cowboys ruining my fucking trip. <laughs> yeah. So it ended up being Joe Burrow's first game at LSU. And I took a buddy with my uh, who ended up going with me who's a Gators fan. And he's a Cowboys fan too. So that's why I convinced him to go with me. And I remember him just... Dude, we walked in, we watched the teams walk out on the field, and like 
It was a noticeable difference how much bigger LSU was. So wait, why was it at AT&T Stadium? Uh, it was like the kickoff game they do every year. They kind of do a neutral site game. Okay. okay. So for whatever reason, I was like, that's why I want And so my buddy Phil, he, he said this on our podcast a hundred times. He wanted me to go to the Florida State game that year with him. And I was like, no, man, I'm going to this game. I'm, And he still gives me crap about it because that game was a great game. We come back on FSU, 28 points in the second half and beat them at home. Great atmosphere. And I go to the main game. We get trounced. And I drove all the way to Dallas from Billings, oh, Montana. Shit. I drove the whole way there. And the, this is the longest road trip of my life coming home, bro. I was like, oh. I was just dead set. Like I, It was like I, I knew what was going to happen. We we're going to go down there, uh, go back to, I think that's where Miami fell off in our most recent, and we've been pretty bad program for like 20 years. You go back to the LSU, uh, uh, it was the, uh, it wasn't the Sugar Bowl, it was like the Peach Bowl or something like that. Devin Hester was on the team. So we had talent on the team, but we should have talent wise beat this LSU team. And they just absolutely destroyed us. Matt, uh, uh, God, it was, he played on the Packers for a minute. Uh, uh, okay. Who it's not, it's not a big deal, but that team basically wiped Miami off the, off the college football landscape. Cause we weren't really successful up until, and I was like convinced, Oh, well, we're going to go in. And we're going to put ourselves back on the map, kick off the season. It's going to be LSU. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have the best time. And that's not how it went. And uh, so I'm literally driving home on my way back uh, on the longest road trip of my life. We have like literally, you know, 24 hours of dead silence. My buddy and I don't don't say a whole lot on the way back. Um, and, and yeah, man, it was just, you know, from the highest high in the fanhood to the lowest low fanhood. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I spent all this money, all this time, like just to go watch my team, get their ass kicked. But that was, that was, it was good to see that game. Like yeah. really, uh, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't even Joe Burrow that year. Cause they weren't really, that wasn't the year they won it. It was the next year they won it. So this was the 2018 season. They ended up winning the 2019 national championship. But I saw the team that was literally ended up being the, the best team in the, uh, in the nation that next year. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, you know, these guys, I was watching them kind of kind of blossom, you know. And, and Which this is still really cool. Took a step of stone. And it was cool to, like, I'm sure it was cool to be in that stadium and stuff like that. I, I've been there before. It's a great stadium. Dude, it, like, we had good tickets, but it is, it's literally the thing. I wasn't in, as into the game because after half, it was basically we were out of it. But I'm just the TV sitting right in front of you is so much funner to watch that game on that TV than it is to look down on the field. It's a fan it's paradise. Insane. It's it, made for it's fans. It's absolutely insane how that stadium's built. It is a cool stadium. If anyone ever gets a chance to go hit up that stadium for an experience for sure. You know what always blew me? You know what my immediate thing that blew me away when I when we walked up to the stadium? There's a Walmart right across the street. Did you ever see that? I I missed that. Dude, I don't it know why threw I me. Th- I was like, "What the hell?" Like, this is the last thing I expected. Like, across from Cowboy Stadium was a Walmart. See, there's one down next to the Miami Stadium because I remember my sister and I going to Walmart for the game because we couldn't even get in the stadium. But the guy walks. Dude, the first person I had three tickets. I only had to buy a ticket for me, my sister, and my oldest son, my little guy. He didn't even have tickets, so I had three tickets. So my sister and I go to that game. We're going to this Walmart, and the first person that walks up to me is like, "Hey, man, you got a ticket for the game?" I was like, "Dude, is what is going on here?" It's like. I've been in Miami for five seconds. The first person who walks up to me is like, "Do you have you have a ticket to the game?" I was like, "Dude, it's so crazy." But yeah, I was like, "Yeah, actually, I do." But I don't know why you're asking me. What what am I a mark? Like, what is yeah. this a trick, a scam? What the hell's going on here? But yeah, Walmart man, you got to give those people credit. They have a presence every <laughs> everywhere, freaking way, every freaking way. Yeah, and oh, and the funny thing. So when I went down to Dallas, it was for a Broncos game, Broncos okay. Cowboys, and we walk in, we're all decked out in our Broncos stuff, and this Broncos fan comes up to us. And it's like, 
do you know if there's any Bronco stuff in here? And I'm like, I doubt it. Like, this is the Walmart across from the Cowboy Stadium. Do you think there's opposing team <laughs> merch here? Like, what do you No, I don't think there is, but good luck. You know, and that's funny because here in our Walmart here in Billings, it's Tons lots of, it. of Broncos stuff, right? But it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's the market for yeah, it, yeah, yeah, but for not sure. down there. So so to maybe uh, lean into uh, your, your your team because I, I remember watching that episode and you're talking about your Colorado fanhood. So uh, my my brother-in-law, shout out to my, buddy, my, my brother-in-law Tanner. He's a big Broncos fan. Him and my sister were just at the – they were at the opening game and watched them lose 17 to 16 or Close whatever. Close game. So – yeah, man, poor Broncos. I mean, I think that the Bron- you know, I think it sucks because last week is another close loss. But I'm looking at it in a positive light. You know, we were offensively, we looked great. Statistically, yeah, you putting up some points. Yeah, finally. statistically, we're in like a lot of the top fives of certain big categories. We're just not winning the games, and the defense is a lot to blame for that. Our defense just isn't hitting the mark like they which was the strength of your team for a lot it has of years. been for like the last yeah, eight years yeah, yeah. and it there's room to to turn it around i'm not panicking yet the biggest thing is there's a lot of really good teams that are zero and two right now the Bengals, the uh vikings uh the patriots you know there's a list of teams that are zero and two right now that nobody really thought they'd yeah. see and on top of that in the afc there's only two teams that are two and zero. The Dolphins and the uh, Ravens. Ravens. They're the only two teams that are big, two and big, big Lamar Jackson fan here. I gotta say, dude, like if I could pick Stud. a quarterback to put, uh, put on my team, that's the kind of athlete I want leading my team. And Tom Brady, all the success in the world, but that's not my brand of football. Like yeah. I want a guy that if I if I really have to rely on him, can can take the ball and and make insane things happen with it. And I I I get a little defensive because people pick on his passing. And I, I was just about to send some videos to my buddy because he's a big Cowboys fan. He, he, we had this huge argument last last offseason about how he can't throw the out route. I was like, dude, I wanted to show him every dime Lamar just just stopped on people. Sorry to go off on that tangent. Oh, you're good. Man, Lamar's he's he's so much fun to watch. Oh, for sure. Like like literally like the 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 belief he puts in his team, his his, his it speaks for himself his record. I mean, he's what? He's lost twelve games or something in his he's professional an MVP. career. Right? He won an MVP, and that that was an insane season. But I'm saying, like, it, it it's it's not about passing or running. It's about are you winning games? Like, mm-hmm. and like literally that guy when he lines up on the field, he did have a couple of seasons here where he was injured at the last of the season. But like, dude, that team, you you're you're 100 in that game. Like yeah. that guy is not gonna, you're not getting blown out against Lamar Jackson teams. And they have great you know, role players too involved with that. Like yeah. he's got a great cast of guys around him. I, I, I still say he needs a big threat where he can just be comfortable yeah. to throw a, fu- throw a fucking a deep route on a guy that he can, you know, get up over top of somebody. He has a good tight end. They say in Zay say Mark, is Mark like Anderson is that not, he's a fantastic tight end, but I'm talking about a guy with receiver speed that can go stretch the field from the out, from the exposition, like get downfield that you can throw the goddamn ball up once in a while to get a, get a, get a freebie. But Zay Jones, he looks really good. But they went and spent all that money on Odell Beckham, and I'm like, that's not the guy. No. And it's like that Odell just, Beckham to five years ago, sure, but not not now. He's not just the to guy. Add depth, I think, and just to yeah. like get a little something going there. But so uh, far, it's working out. for I him. think I think honestly, the best thing they did was pay the guy his fucking money. Yeah, like, that was crazy I, that they were I, even I, in it, that it, dispute. And so to go back into like why I do a podcast now and talk about football is like I'll say shit to like my friends and then it comes true later like and I'm like don't you love that? God I wish that shit was on record you know? I, I do that I used to do the same thing like just 
throughout. I hit more than I miss. I promise that shit. I yeah. promise that shit. And sometimes you make predictions and they don't come true. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. So, so like the the Cowboys thing. Uh, hopefully, don't get off tangent. But like uh, I, the Cowboys ended up being phenomenal that season. Yeah, the season I jumped off the bandwagon. They go thirteen and three. Uh-huh. Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott, like literally rookie of the year and best player. In the, and the Jaguars were shit. But I, I knew it wasn't. I knew that wasn't. It was false. It was false hope, bro. Because the next year. The Cowboys were shit, and the Jaguars had the best season they've ever had. They should have fucking went to the Super Bowl. Oh, is that when they the, went to the AFC was, Championship? That was the game they got fucking robbed and the pass interference bullshit penalties on the, against Blake Patriots, Bortles, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Blake Bortles was a crap quarterback, and he was still good enough. Like well, just that defense. On, that was a defensive team, and that was again. That's what I said. Jalen Ramsey will change your defense, and he did the attitude. And Calais Campbell, I gotta say, my man Calais Campbell had a lot to do with that too, because they were, but but. That was what I I knew the Cowboys would have got had they gotten Jalen Ramsey at that time. You know what I mean? And the Cowboys have done a lot of good things lately. I, I I have to say that jumping off the bandwagon, I'm still not a Cowboys fan. I don't religiously watch their games. I don't pay attention to who's on their team. Dude, for 10, 15 years, I would have told you I could I could name every guy on their team. I knew where they went to college from. I knew their story. I I mean, from the moment of spring spring uh summer workouts, bro, I was like listening to the podcasts back then about Every practice, every detail, bro. Like, that's how deep I am when I go into something, right? But that's 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 what's, you know, kind of like the, the evolution. So now it's more, my focus is really to the college game. You know, that's, I like when I, and it's not always this, just the Miami Hurricanes. Like, I can appreciate college football as a whole. Like, and so like, you were touching on the, the Colorado thing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm convinced if he sticks around, I probably won't make one this year, but if he sticks around next year, I'm going to go to a game in Colorado. That'd just be to, sick. Just to be a... Be a, be a part of the presence, like just see what's going on in, in the, the. I think Dion, Dion again. I was a kid in the '90s, bro. So when Dion wore a dude rag, bro, like I I wore dude rag, like yeah, you know bandana. I was running around like my my parent, my grandpa. I still remember my grandpa like take that thing off your head. You look stupid. And I was like, dude, it's Dion does it, grandpa. Like he looks so badass, bro. I gotta be, I gotta do it too, you know. And then like the things he says. I don't. I don't. I don't think everything he says is like legit. I don't think he believes everything he says. But when he says it, it comes out like it's it fucking it like seeps into you. You know what yeah. I mean? The he's words a, he says. He's a good coach. He and that's what I'm saying. To lead to lead these types of human beings, and the game's changed. It's not about. It's a you got to stroke egos. You have kids making fucking money now in, in yeah. college football. So how to manage that structure? It's not like you can just go and sit there and drone on people because they'll they'll leave. You know what I mean? Your best player, if he's not he's not that kind of guy, yeah. You can he'll he'll you'll run him off. Good or bad. I'm not saying there's really the best way, but I, I really feel like what Dion's doing at Colorado, and Colorado was a trash program. And I remember They've going back bad. to that go back to that two thousand one season. Uh, I remember watching that Colorado game when they beat Nebraska. So Nebraska gets to play Miami in the national championship. I didn't think they deserved to be there. Eric Crouch was the, the Heisman trophy that year. I didn't think he deserved the the, the Heisman trophy, right? He, uh, he got beat. Colorado kicked the shit out of Nebraska that game. And Nebraska was rolling up to that point. And they ran into a buzzsaw that was Colorado right there. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Purify and Chris Brown. I remember those two guys just having these unbelievable games running the ball. Right? I remember that Colorado game like like it was yesterday. Um, and then they they really kind of have, have gone by the wayside, right? They've so, had, yeah. Exactly. Him ending up in there for whatever reason, like I'm just glad he's not at Florida State because if he was at Florida State, that was one of the options, be, wasn't it? They would absolutely be 
I, I'm afraid of Florida State. They're a good team this year. I'm not saying we're going in there and we're getting a dub, but if Dion goes to Florida State, if he ever ends up there, like we're in trouble. I, I it's the last place on earth I ever want that guy to, to show back up. I think he's gonna be in. He he'll be in Colorado for a little while. I don't think he's just gonna up and leave right away. I hope not at least. Who, who's to say? I the 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 game is so, it's so much different. There's there's not really loyalty as much on the players' side. I think in the coaching end, like they'll get. It, what's so what's so discouraging to me, and this is uh, you know uh, having gone through coaches that you're like you're excited about, and then all of a sudden they don't work out. Is you've got to have time to like really uh, see what's coming in, develop it, and 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 see your plan through. The NFL is the worst. Bro. Oh like, god! The Cardinals like the fact that they're changing their coach every year. It's that's why they're a shit shit team. Why the Browns were so bad? They for were so, long. so bad for so many years. And what's crazy is like, dude, how can the Patriots not have a losing season for twenty years, and the Browns can't have one winning season? Yeah, what's the what's like, the common how denominator? Is that, how is that? How is that? That how well, is that? How you is have that structure. Thing? You have structure. So, you're not you're not a, an ever changing, you know, system that's never. There's no. And I mean, Bill Billichek, he was kind of a failure. I mean, he. He wasn't. He was a great defensive coordinator, I think, under Bill Parcells. And I'll, I'll sit here and say that that was the best thing that the Cowboys ever did was bringing Bill Parcells into the equation because he built a team that was very, very successful that that died off by the time I jumped off the bandwagon. Like by that time, they all the good players that he'd put in the program had all gone away, and then people I didn't get, give a shit about anymore. So they're doing an okay job now. I got to say again, I got to give the Cowboys credit. They've They've got the best defense in the NFL right now. For now, Micah over Parsons two weeks. Is an insane, an insane oh, he's a talent. stud. Micah Parsons is a yeah. stud. Uh, I, I was really, really kind of... Uh, he went to Alabama, but Trayvon Diggs, I really I really liked him as a player. Him going out with his knee injury is really kind of tough. But Bummer. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, that's, that's tough. That's, that's the only part of the game that you really hate is the injuries. Nick Chubb, I'm not a Chubb fan, but man, that poor guy. Getting his leg fucking. I had him in fantasy, again. so I miss him. <laughs> oh man, that was so uh, so brutal looking. That was a rough one. Yeah, and he man. had a similar injury, didn't he, in, in college? Yeah, yeah. It's a meme. Like you see him, his leg all folded over, dude. Uh, and shout out to shout out to this. Like uh, on that 2001 team, Frank Gore. Yeah, Frank Gore, yeah. man. You know that man had had two major knee injuries and two major ankle injuries before he really got rolling in his NFL career. And the fact that he had a 17, 18 year career as a running back, and he's the third leading, second leading rusher. I can't, I, I can't remember if he got past Barry. I, I apologize, but he's up there. He's like either one or two, yeah, or three. Uh, a man that's going into the Hall of Fame. He was the third best running back on that team in college. That's wild. Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee the next year because it was supposed to be Willis and Frank that two thousand and two season, and Frank got his knee injury. He, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't really Willis. Willis had. He should have won the goddamn Heisman Trophy 2002. Like the 2002 Heisman Trophy should have been Willis McGahee's. Who ended up winning? I can't even remember. Mm. Oh, uh, uh, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. Uh, so Willis McGahee only got that season because Frank was was injured, mm. and so Frank he came back. He was he was he was he could see it, man. His body was he was a lot heavier, and he was an okay running back, but he just wasn't the he wasn't the talent. We, I thought that he was in 2001 because, I mean, he was a freshman on that 2001 team. He had, like, 800 yards, and he, a lot of his big games came, came against kind of the lower competition. But, I mean, he put up 800 yards on a team that was awesome. Then next year, he misses the whole season because he's out with a knee injury. So 2003, he comes back, has a 
he was okay. He was kind of still kind of getting his way back. 2004, he's finally, he slims down. He's like the man again. And then he has another knee injury. Shit. Right? And then he has two major ankle injuries going into, uh, I, I think, going into uh, the 49ers. Like early in his career. But like the fact that this guy is literally running on, I don't even know what the guy was running on. But dude, how awesome was that guy's career You know, Stud. to watch that? Yeah. So shout out to Frank Gore. Shout Absolutely. I could talk football all day. Dude, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, we're getting toward the end. We got to wrap it up here. Yeah, man. This has um, been awesome, man. I really, oh, dude. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to let me come over and record this for, for uh, with you, man. This well, is awesome. Now you know where I'm at, and we'll definitely have to do a, a second one. I, I definitely think so. And we're going to have you on our show. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, to come on and, and talk on a Kane's cast also. Yeah. I mean, I, I can... Uh, I don't know a lot about the hurricanes, but I can give my uh, football yeah. opinions. We just love football. Yeah, and and I think what we've talked about is like you know, there's there's fifteen twenty weeks of the college football season, and then like to really like you're saying like to get a good presence, you got to have you got to have people counting on and having a show. Yeah, once a week. Consistency. So I, I definitely think once we get into the off season and have more of a football uh, uh, focus, we'll dude, let's get more people on. So I, we would yeah. love to have you on and. Uh, hopefully not terribly, uh, terribly distant future. No, that'd be rad, man. And I'll, I'll leave a link to the podcast at least. Oh, thank you, man. I in really the description, so people can go check that out. Oh yeah. But as I told you before, before we sign off, uh, I got to get a positive or motivational message from the guest to the audience. What well, and, and I think I think my, what really popped in my head it was like the first thing I thought of is just like learn to fail. You know, uh, to, to expand on it real quickly is is I think that was the biggest thing in my life that I was I was like certain I couldn't I couldn't deal with failure I hate failing I, I'm a competition person I want to always win but like being afraid to fail was like uh, my mo but going through all these experiences we talked about like like literally that was the biggest thing that I've I've now got comfortable with is is failure isn't an indictment on you as a person like you're not a failure failing is 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 okay it's actually something you should get, get used to, you know what I mean? So don't be afraid to fail, you know, chase your dreams, go for the things that you think you're, you're not right for, you're not, maybe don't deserve or whatever it might be. Fuck that. Fail, learn to fail. Even if you're not ready for it and you find that out in the hard way, you're, you're taking steps to, to the end goal. And that's, you're going to learn why you failed by failing and you won't do that the next time. And you're going to get to where you want to go. So that was what, I wanted to share with you and your your uh, your viewers. Hey, I dig that. That's awesome, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, right on. Well, hey, if if anybody sees Garrett out there slinging sandwiches, get one of them. They're delicious. And check out Canecast. And everybody out there, don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it.